Good evening, everybody. Thank you for taking time this Matzah Shabbos, which uh, I can't imagine. It's not a busy Matzah Shabbos, a lot to do. <clears throat> I'm going to share the second part of my Shabbos Agadol Drasha, which was on the topic of Kerech, when we combine the Matzah and the Mara together, what that means in terms of Arvad Sashem. What's the meaning of it? What's the depth of it? So when we conclude the Mitzvah of Sipritism's Shrine, the Night of the Seder, we read through the whole Haggadah, we've done all the saying that we need to say about Mitzrayim, we finally do the Mitzvahs, right? So we sit, we eat Matzah, and then we eat Mara, and then we put them together. Now that's a very unique, unique thing that we put them together, and we say why is it that we're doing, because we're doing a Zechel Mikdash, we're doing something in memory of the Beis Mikdash. Now, we do other things in memory of the Beis Mikdash. We uh, say Sphere Saimer in memory of the Beis Mikdash. We do Lulav and Estrig, the rest se- second half of Yanta because of memory of the Beis Mikdash. There are things that we do as to remember the Beis Mikdash. But what's unique here is that we say we're only doing it according to one opinion. Zechel Mikdash Kehillel. We're only doing the combining of Matzah and Mar in order to remind us what was done during the Beis Mikdash according to Hillel, which is interesting. Because really, according to Hillel, without a base of Mikdash, what we did till now was sufficient. And of course, meaning Hillel also agrees that if you ate matzah and mara today without a base of Mikdash, that's all you need to do in your yaitza with that. But yet, we seek to combine the matzah and mara to remember the base of Mikdash according to Hillel. What's the significance of it? Why is it so important for us to combine the matzah and the mara? And I'm going to give three approaches, hashkafa approaches. And to me, I find that these approaches very much give us insight and a, an idea what it is we're trying to accomplish with the whole night of Pesach, the Seder, what's our goal, what, is it, uh, what do we need to walk away with, and uh, the, the, these, these three ideas touched me very much in that way. First I'd like to share a beautiful approach of the previous Klosenberger Rebbe, Rav Yikasil Yehuda, um, Halberstam Zatzal, who was known as Zalman Leib, he was a Holocaust survivor. He suffered greatly throughout the Holocaust. He, he lost his whole family of uh, 11 children, and he endured years in Auschwitz as well in other camps. And eventually he uh, returned to the States, and he rebuilt uh, an amazing legacy, a whole city in Union City in New Jersey, and also uh, Netanya in, in Eretz Yisrael. And uh, it, he, there's a whole book written about him, which was translated into English by um, Mr. Judd Lifshitz, who lives here, and it's an amazing, an amazing, amazing book. I, I suggest it for everybody. But in any case, he has a sefer called Shefachai, and in there he has a novel way to look at Matzamar and Kairach. He says, when Klai Yisrael left Mitzrayim, it's well known they were standing on the brink of the Yamsuf, and there was a question, what's going to happen to them? So the Midas Sadin came to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and said, Halalo Yisrael served idols, and the Mitzrayim served idols, why are you saving them and drowning them? Maybe drown them, maybe drown both. They're both the same, they both are idolaters, they both served Avedizara, why would you choose the Jews? So that everybody knows is a very well-known situation that Klai Yisrael found them in. But what's not so well-known is what Hashem answered. Hashem told the Midas Hadin, You're a great fool. You're the world's greatest fool. Did they willingly serve idols? Klai Yisrael didn't serve idols willingly. They didn't do it by Desara Baratzin. They only served idols because of the slavery and the confusion that they were stuck in. Are you comparing an Inus to a Mezid? The Mitzrayim, the Egyptians, they serve idols willingly. The Mezid, deliberately. Klai Yisrael, they were an Inus. It was against their will. They had no choice. 
So the Chosbik Rebbe asks, he says, well, the halacha is that you have to give up your life rather than serve an idol. It's not much of an argument to say that they didn't have a choice about it, because that, that's not an answer. You don't, even if you have no choice, you can't serve an idol. But furthermore, he says, more than that, he says, you don't find anywhere that the Egyptians forcibly made the Jews serve idols. They made them work, uh, and they oppressed them, and they, they tortured them, but they never find that they made them serve idols. So he says, that's not what this means. It doesn't mean that they forced them to do idols. It means the situation forced them. They were in Mitzrayim. Mitzrayim was Erev Asa'aretz. It was the most debased place on earth. Yaakov Avinu had passed away. Yosef had passed away. The Shvatim had passed away. They didn't have that light. They didn't have that leadership. They were alone. And they were alone in a, in, in, in a community, and in a nation that even Yosef HaTzadik, when he was there, was severely tested and came this close to committing a terrible sin. Being in Mitzrayim was a terrible, terrible environment, and the Jews had no one up to look up to, and they had no one to guide them, and they were impressed, they were slaves, they had been slaves for centuries. And that kind of environment, that kind of situation, when they were in such depths of darkness, how could you expect them to choose properly? They didn't have it in them to stand, to, to stand up to the Yetzirah. That's what HaKadosh Baruch Hu was telling the Midas Hadin. They were anusim. We cons- Hashem considered them as if they were forced, because what do you expect from them when they're in such a situation? How could you expect from them anything else? Now, that kind of argument is something that only Hashem could make. If you would have to go to court with that kind of argument, you would need a dream team of defense lawyers, and our dream team was Hashem himself. When it came to Mitzrayim, when it came time to choose between the Bechayrim of the Mitzrayim and Kal Yisrael to jump over the houses of, only Hashem could do that. A Malach wasn't able to tell the difference between a Jew and a Mitzri. Only Hashem could see the difference that what a Jew is, and this argument that a Kaddish Baruch Hu meant, that what, what, said, what can, you see, what, what can you expect from them? And the, the Kozmerger Rebbe goes on to explain that he says that is what Kairach represents. He says Matzah represents our mitzvahs. Pas, the Rashi says that Allah Taira, Shmartem Esam Matzahis, you should guard the Matzahis. Rashi says, Al Tikri Matzahis, don't read Matzahis, Allah Mitzvahis, guard your mitzvahs. Guard them, be careful to do them, be Zoris, do them with alacrity. That's what matzahs represent. Our mitzvahs are Avedis Hashem. Maror, he says, is the gematria of maves. Same words as, uh, same letters as maves, as death. Maror represents the parts of uh, our life that we wish we didn't do. The parts of our, that, of our life that doesn't bring us any closer to HaKadosh Baruch or the Averis, the difficult situations we find ourselves in, the character traits we wish we didn't have, the habits we've developed that we wish we could break. That's what Maror represents. And as the Pasik says, Kirau Mar, Hashem, leaving Hashem behind is bitter. And we combine the Matzah and the Mar because when you view them together, when you have the context of the Matzah and the Mar, we have all kinds of, of Mar in our life, we have all kinds of this bitterness, of these Averis, but at the same time, nonetheless, we do Matzah, nonetheless, we keep the mitzvahs, we stick with the Kaddish Baruch Hu, no matter what. And is that context that we're trying to bring to our attention and to Hashem's attention on the night of the Seder. He quotes from the Sar Shalom, it's the first Baal Zarebbe. He says that the Pasik that Hill quotes, that we say in Zechel Mikesh why are we eating Matzah together? Because it says, Al Matzah Sumrerim He says that's really the wrong Pasik. Al Matzah Sumrerim is the Pasik that said by Pesach Sheni, the Pesach he brought if you missed the first time. The Pasik by the regular Pesach is a little different, slight difference, but it's the different Pasik. It's Matzah's Al Rerim The Al is after the word Matzah. 
So he says, why would we bring the Pasuk of Pesach Sheni? Why wouldn't we bring the right Pasuk, the one of Pesach Rishon? So he says, because what we're trying to communicate is the same thing as Pesach Sheni. Pesach Sheni is people who were Tameh. They were unholy, they were defiled, they couldn't come to the Beis HaMikdash. And Hashem says, I still want your Avedah, I still want your Mitzvahs, I still want your Karben Pesach. Come and eat Pesach, Matzah, and Maror on Pesach Sheni, although you were Tameh. And that's what Hillel and Kairach is trying to represent. <clears throat> and this point is extraordinarily important to understand and to internalize, both about Yitzhiyah Mitzrayim in the past, both about our personal struggles in life, our own Avedis Hashem, and about the future Geula as well. It's always important to remember, Kalal Yisrael were not worthy of being redeemed of Mitzrayim. We say this Pasuk in the, in, in the Haggadah. We say, It's a whole long Pasuk in Yechazkel, not an easy Pasuk to understand. And we say, They came in droves. They were mature, they were grown up. But you were unclothed and you were bare. You had nothing. And Hashem says, I passed over you, and I saw you wallowing in blood, meaning to say in sins and nothing. That's what Chazal say. You had not a single mitzvah. You were bare, you were unclothed. Klai Yisrael were devoid of any personal schus for them to be redeemed from Mitzrayim. They were at, as unworthy as possible. They were in the 49th level of Tumah. Hashem says, You will live with your blood. So Chazal say, What does that mean? Why do we repeat it? We take some wine out of the kais. Chazal say, represents two mitzvahs that Hashem gave us in order that we should be redeemed. He gave us two mitzvahs. He gave us the mitzvah of bris milah. All of Klai Yisrael performed the bris milah on themselves that day of, in Pes- of Pesach in, in, in Mitzrayim and the mitzvah of, um, of uh, Karben Pesach. So they had Dam Pesach and they had Dam Mila. Those were the two mitzvahs that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave them and or, in order that they should be redeemed. So Klai Yisrael had no merit. Imagine how deep and how, how low and how, what darkness pervaded in their lives. And Hashem gave them two mitzvahs. Now the Chafetz Chaim asks, he says, I don't understand. They were on the 49th level of Tumma, which means they were one little step away from being irredeemable. 50th level of Tumma, that's the point of no return. There was no way then they couldn't be saved. So Hashem had to save them, had to give them a merit. Two mitzvahs, he says. Two mitzvahs, that's enough. And they get redeemed with two mitzvahs after sinking to such depths and such darkness and such lowly tumah. Two mitzvahs is enough to, to save them? So the Chavetz Chaim answers, you don't understand. It's the opposite. On the contrary, when a person is in such depth, in such darkness, in such a rut, when he thinks everything doesn't matter, when he thinks that what he does, he's so bad that whatever he does doesn't make a difference, when he's, such darkness pervades his life, he's soaked in such tumah, he says that if you do a mitzvah then, that mitzvah has such a powerful light that it blows away the darkness. He said two mitzvahs was enough because of Klai Yisrael were in the 49th level of Tumah. And they had almost given up on themselves. And they were at the point of Yush, of, of, of despondency, where they, they had served idols, they had done all kinds of avers, they had Eirem area, they had Nozchos, and in their eyes there was nothing that they could do. And then, despite all that darkness, despite all that depth, all that difficulty, all that hardship, that personal, emotional difficulty in believing that you're worth anything, you do nevertheless, these two mitzvahs, two mitzvahs can blow away, blow you out of this world, and they have a tremendous, tremendous strength. That's what Chavetz Chaim says. <clears throat>
And whenever we find ourselves in these dark situations, we have to believe and understand that HaKadosh Baruch Hu will say, HaKadosh Baruch Hu will provide us. He'll provide us if we want, if we're ready. He'll provide us with those mitzvahs that we need, that those mitzvahs can blow away the darkness and change our, our entire lives. And that's true for the Golas of Mitzrayim, that's true for a personal Golas, and that's true for the Golas Asida, the eventual redemption as well. I saw a story in Haggadah Yechi Ruvain, written by Rabbi Ruvain Karelenstein Zatzal. He tells of a Rav, who, that this, this Rav had a cousin who had just lost his mother. And the cousin was sitting Shiva, and he lived in one of the far-out communities in Eretz Yisrael where there was very little religious presence, and this cousin himself was not religious. So the Rav went to be Menachem Avla, and he's sitting by the Shiva, and his cousin asks him, tell me, Rabbi, tell me something to do. I want to do something good for my mother. I was very close with her. I want to do something that will help her neshama, so she has a schus. She should have a good up there. Well, what can I do? So the Rav starts to think. Now, as soon as the Rav starts to think, the guy starts to get nervous. And he says, oh, listen, one second, Rabbi, don't think so much. You know, I don't make it too hard for me. Don't give me any bigness, shyness. I really I want to do something with money. Tell me something that I should pay for. That's the kind of schus I want to do for my mother. So the Rav says, well, how much are you ready to spend? So he says, you tell me what it is, I'll spend it. The Rav says, no, give me an idea. So the guy says, I don't know, $1,000, $2,000, thinks about it. You know what? If it's something really special and you say it's going to help my mother... I'll even spend $5,000. So Rav thinks. And the Rav says, okay, how about 50 shekel? So the guy says, 50 shekel? We're talking thousands of dollars. Why are you saying 50 shekel? So the Rav says, okay, listen, this is what you should do. Go to your hardware store, buy yourself a little plug-in lamp, take it to your bathroom, and plug it in, turn it on. Put a sign on it that says, please do not turn off for the duration of Shabbos. And that's it. And, well, that cost you it's electricity a little bit, right? So it'll be electricity over a couple of months, over a year, about 50 shekel. So the man says, that's going to do something for my mother? So the Rav said, now you don't understand, even keeping from one chil Shabbos does tremendous things for a person. And here, you probably turn on that light, you and your family, 20, 30 times over Shabbos. You go into the bathroom, you turn on the light, you leave the bathroom, you turn off the light, everybody uses it in, out, in, out, in, out. You're preventing yourself from 30, 20, 30 chil Shabbos. You can't imagine what that's going to do for you and do for your mother. Brilliant idea. Okay, the man does it. About a half a year later, he calls the Rav back. The cousin calls the Rav back. And he tells the Rav, you know, I'm very grateful. It was a great idea. I did it. Now, I think I'm, I want to do something a little more serious. What else can you tell me to do for my mother's sake? So the Rav says, definitely, I have a great idea. Buy a bigger lamp. Put it in your living room. Turn it on. Put a sign in it that says, Ner Neshama, please lit, leave on the Il Nishmas Ima. And have it on in your dining room, and no one will turn on and off the lights in your dining room for the duration of Shabbos. So the Rav told Rav Karelenstein, at this point, he doesn't need those lamps anymore. He's a full-blown Shemr Shabbos. He keeps all of Shabbos, Kals, Kachamuras, the easy part, the hard part, he keeps all of Shabbos. And that is what it is when a person is ready to be redeemed. HaKadosh Baruch Hu will send you that mitzvah, and that mitzvah will create light. And when there's light, the light knocks away all the darkness, no matter how low a person is, how far away from Yiddishkeit there is, that mitzvah has a tremendous, tremendous power. And this is a crucial element, and it's a very important point, because you know what? We all have the question. Everybody has the question. Mashiach didn't come, he didn't come for the 
Tanoim, he didn't come for the Amirayim. He didn't come for the Tzadikim of the last generation. He didn't come for Chaim Kenyaski. Why is Mashiach going to come for us? What are we going to do that's going to bring Mashiach that hasn't been done yet? And it's a question, and it's a question that bothers us, and it makes it hard to understand. But the answer is it's the opposite, because there's no generation that's been like us. There's no generation that has to live surrounded the way we're surrounded, with the kind of things that the internet throws at you, with the kind of the tumma that we're, we're ensconced in, the things that we have to live in, the things that, that society makes so difficult for every single Jew, and even more so for the younger generation. Who else had to suffer like that? Who else had such darkness? So in that kind of darkness, if you do a mitzvah, if we keep Torah and we keep mitzvahs, that has such a tremendous power of light, it can blow away the darkness. And that's what happened in Mitzrayim. And that's what's going to happen in the Gula Asida as well. And that's why it's so important. And that, the Kozenberg Rebbe said, is what we're doing with Kaira. We're saying we have Marah. And we have such mara surrounding us, but yet we do the matzah. And the matzah with this mara is such an important chash of a matzah that that's what's going to bring the Pesach that we'll hopefully eat this year, next year, together with this matzah and mara. So what is Hashem waiting for? He's waiting for Benitzach. Just like this cousin asked the rabbi what he should do, he's waiting for Hashem to ask us. Hashem's waiting for us to ask him, what should we do? Benitzach, call out to Hashem. We're ready to leave this galos. Just tell us what to do. And if we do, he will. And he'll give us an answer, and he'll send us those mitzvahs to do. Another concept in, in uh, Kairach, the first concept is that Kairach teaches us what the baseline concept we need to know. We are worthy of being redeemed. We are worthy of being redeemed. No matter who you are, what you are, where you're holding, you're worthy of personal redemption. You're worthy of redemption the way the Jews are worthy of redemption, and the whole nation of Chayyashal is worthy of redemption of the 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 the, the, the Gula Asida. Now I saw another approach to Kairach, and this is a very novel approach. I actually enjoyed the novelty of it, but the message is a very also extraordinarily important message. There's very well known medrash that when the first time Moshe Rabbeinu went out to the Jews. Uh, he saw them working so hard. So he came back to power and he said, come on, nobody could work 24-7. It's impossible. It's too hard. You have to give Kal Yisrael a day off. So Pari said, what day? He said, Shabbos, give them Shabbos off. And because of that, we say, Yismach Moshe B'Matnas Shabbos is called Moshe's Matana. He gave us it to us as a present. And Kal Yisrael had Shabbos. Now, what's a little less known is that they didn't last forever. When Moshe Rabbeinu came back and he said, told Parai, Shal Chasami, send out Klal Yisrael, and then Parai said, Mi Hashem, I don't know who Hashem is, and he, then he made things so much worse for Klal Yisrael, he made the, wor- the work ten times harder. Tichbad Anashem, let the work become that much more difficult for all the people, the Yasuba, and they, let them be busy with that, Ba'al Yishu and they will, don't let, don't let them put their hope in false things, don't let them get false hope. So the Medrash says, what does this mean? Medrash says, Malamid, what's this Yishu B'Dirishakar, what's this false hope he was talking about? Malamid Shahi B'Yadam Megillus, they had these scrolls. This is what they would do on Shabbos. The day off that they had, they had these scrolls and they would enjoy them, they would learn them and they would talk about them. And what did it say in these scrolls? It taught them that HaKadosh Baruch Hu will redeem them. So they strengthened their amuna. they were themselves, they prevented themselves from losing hope with the time that they had on Shabbos to read through these Megillus. Because they had time off on Shabbos. 
Amalam Paroi. So Paroi said, Aliyu Mishdashin, I don't want them doing this anymore. But Aliyu Nefishim Shabbos, no more Shabbos for the Jews. The Jews have now lost their day off. They don't have the day off on Shabbos anymore. Kaiser would utilize the time on Shabbos to strengthen themselves. What was written in these Megillas? According to some of Hashem, it was the whole story of Bereshis, all the promises Hashem did to the Avis, all the miracles he performed to the Avis, and that was Mechazik them, the promise that they would go to Eretz Yisrael, they would be taken out of Mitzrayim. Yaakov Kamenetsky says it's the 11 Prokim of Tehillim that Moshe Rabbeinu wrote. He wrote these Megillas for them, and those are Prokim that all talk about Chizik Amuna and understanding that Hashem's ways are just and righteous. That's what they did. And Paris said, no way, Work on Shabbos, no more time, Yeshu B'divrei Shekhar, let them not get their false hopes up reading these Megillas. But I found in two Svarim, Tanuvas Baruch and Rav Shalom, they're both written by Rabbanim pre-war, uh, pre-World War II, and they say a fascinating thing, a novel concept. They said, it's true, Parai required Klal Yisrael to, to work on Shabbos, and he said, if you think it said, if you think about it, what did he make them do? The pasuk says that he didn't give them straw anymore. Originally, he had given them given them straw, and he said no more straw. So he explains that the day off was the day that they were, had to use to get the straw. And would they have done that? It would have made sense. Like it doesn't make sense. He would make them work more if uh, if if it was impossible for them to do. So it was possible. They had six days to work, and normally they were given straw. Now you're going to work on Shabbos. You get your straw on Shabbos. He said, Kali Yisrael didn't do that. Kali Yisrael didn't listen. Kali Yisrael worked double on the six days, and they gathered all the straw on the six days so that they shouldn't have to work on Shabbos. That's why it was so difficult for them. And he, he, they learned it into the Pasuk that the Shaitrim came back to Paran. and they said, they can't do this because if they work on Shabbos, it will be an Avera for them. So they, 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 can't, they, they can't possibly work on Shabbos. So they doubled their work during the six days just so they shouldn't have to work on Shabbos, a novel approach. And it reminds me very much of something I read in the book, To, to Vanquish the Dragon. The, the author of the book, her name is Pearl Banish Zatzal. She passed away already. I, I met her, me and my wife met her. She was uh, the grandmother of someone that lived on our block in Lakewood. And she was a student of Sarashnir. And she was a Bisyakov girl. She was 17, 18 at the time of the Holocaust. And she went through the whole thing. I mean, she was in Poland, so she suffered through every part of the war, eventually ending up in Auschwitz. But uh, she was in a number of labor camps in between. So she writes at one point she was in a labor camp in a place called Tarnow. And the foreman was a Jew named Weissblum. So she was tasked with producing jackets. So if you produced five jackets, you're allowed to stay and not sent out to be killed. If you made six jackets, you got an extra, some extra bread. So she says the first day she was there, she knocked herself out, worked to the bone to produce six jackets. And she, he loved her work. He did, she did a great job. But then she says... The next day, my anxious hands were able to turn out not six, but seven uniform jackets. I stashed one under the leftover raw material. One extra jacket a day would provide five or six to hand over on Shabbos. Again, the next day, and then again, I turned out seven jackets, oozing sweat and exhaustion. Another day passed, and then another. Then came Shabbos, the day that I loved so much, but now a day that filled me with concern. In the morning, I braced myself to face my first boss in Tarno. I had encountered no problems in my previous term of duty with Madrich in Plashau. Our foreman had always turned a blind eye for, to my rest on the holy day and simply picked up my work that I had prepared in advance. But now, after Weissblum had complimented my work, I hoped he would follow the same policy. So I sat down by my machine. I pulled out the thread so that I shouldn't have to, in case the Germans come, I would be pushing the pedal, but you, there, there wouldn't actually be any sewing going on. I shouldn't be a Mechal Shabbos. And I pretended that I was working. 
So Weiss Bloom walked by, and I was holding one of the finished jackets, making it look like I had just completed it, and he didn't notice anything. And I was starting to relax. It was towards the end of the day. I had just begun to relax when Weissbloom suddenly noticed that my machine was idle. He came right over and was red with anger. Why aren't you working, lazy brat? He roared. He looked into my eyes and stood at once. It's Shabbos for you. Do you think you're holier than me? We're all Jews, you said. Start the machine this minute or I'll report you. It's Shabbos for all of us. We have to work and so do you. I was seized with a sudden calm. The pressure of the week fled like magic. Mr. Weissbloom, I'm no one's lazy brat. Here are my five jackets. They're all ready. We're all Jews, you said, so why should I play games in front of you? When the Germans come, I'll pretend I'm working. I'm not going to endanger anyone, God forbid. But Mr. Weissbloom, you just admired my work. I'll make six jackets this week, if necessary, for next Shabbos. Believe me alone. Look the other way. Since he was letting me talk, I added, you'll share the reward of my mitzvah of remembering Shabbos. But his reaction was the opposite of what I expected. There's no such time for place for mitzvahs. He screamed in rage, and I'll teach you a lesson. And she goes on to explain that he made her life very, very difficult, but in the end she held strong. And she was able to keep this practice exactly what these farms say the Jews did in Mitzrayim. They worked double on the six days so that they shouldn't have to work on Shabbos. And these farms say beautifully, they say that we eat Mara twice on the night of the Seder. They say the first time we eat Mara is Vayimaros Chayeim. That's the difficulty, the bitterness, the oppression that the Mitzrayim oppressed us. But the second Mara, the Mara of Kairech, that's the Mara that we made ourselves bitter. We made our own lives bitter. We worked so hard. We put ourselves through such bitterness to be able to do mitzvahs. And that's why we put the matzah and the Mara together. We tell HaKadosh Baruch Hu, look how much bitterness and how much difficulty we go through to do your mitzvahs. And indeed we do. And doing mitzvahs takes a lot of effort and it's very hard between peeling ourselves out, out of bed to be able to daven and to be able to do Havadis Hashem and being overwhelmed by the amount of pressure mitzvahs put on us at times and at times there's there's it's very expensive to do mitzvahs there's all kinds of things we have to pay for because we're orthodox jews and a lot of times mitzvahs are embarrassing and they're awkward and we have to explain things to our co-workers or to our boss who is not religious and or not jewish and to tell them what it is that we're doing and it's embarrassing and we we do all these things and we perform these mitzvahs no matter what the difficulty is, no matter how it is, and that makes our mitzvahs so much more chashav, so much more pure, so much tremendously chashav in the eyes of a Kaddish Baruch Hu. and that's what we're doing with Kairach. We're putting together the matzah with the Vayamaras Chayeim that the Jews imposed upon themselves. And that's also such an important point to remember, that it's those mitzvahs, the mitzvahs that we suffer with, the mitzvahs that are difficult for us, and even though we do them and maybe we don't feel so great about them and we don't feel so great about ourselves, when it comes the night of the Seder, we pull, pull, hold them up to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and we show, look at this matzah that we ate together with the Mar, and we did it nonetheless. I saw in Reb Zilberstein's Haggadah that he says that at one point in his neighborhood, Many people passed away from the machla, from cancer, and he asked Steinman Zatzal, what should he do, because it was already getting like worrisome. So Steinman suggested that everybody take on Shabbos 10 minutes earlier. So the Mikhail was light, Neiris, if you laid it at 18, lit it at 28, and there's some places is 30, lit it, light it at 40. So he was mefaris in this, he let everybody know, and he told them to, to do that. But then he decided to institute another program. He had all the children of the neighborhood come to shul an hour before Shabbos, dressed, ready for Shabbos. They would stay in shul, and then he hired people to teach them Hilcha Shabbos. And they would be taught Hilcha Shabbos, and then they would be tested, and if you answered the questions right, there were prizes, and it was a great program. He said, at one point, a child approached a Rebbe and said, you know, Rebbe, I have a Shiloh, I have a question. I 
my mother doesn't have money to buy shoes, and she only buys the shoes when there's some kind of going out of sale business, going out of business sale, uh, where it's rock, rock bottom prices. Otherwise, she can't afford. And and my my shoes don't really fit me anymore. But I can't ask her for new shoes because she can't afford it. So it's it's uncomfortable. And when on Shabbos, when I walk, what I do is I take the shoes off and I stretch them and I pull them so that they should not be so tight. And as I walk, uh, it lasts a little bit, and then I do it again. And now we just learned in Hilchah Shabbos that if you fix something on Shabbos, it's a malacha, it's tikkun mana, it's makabipatish. So am I allowed to do that? Am I allowed to continue stretching my shoe? Is that a problem of tikkun mana? So you can imagine when a, a rabbi asked such a tear-jerking question, he immediately contacted the Gabay Tzedakah, and uh, they took care of this family and made sure they got new shoes and whatever they needed. But Rav, Stein, Rav uh, Zilberstein says, people stop dying in the neighborhood. And you can imagine when there's such a mysterious nefesh to keep Shabbos and to keep mitzvahs with such difficulty, how could a Kaddish Baruch Hu not listen? And that's why we put the matzah and the mara together because we want to be able to get the Pesach. And that's what we tell a Kaddish Baruch Hu when we, we are mekayim mitzvahs with such difficulty. When it's so hard, that is our schus to ask that we should be redeemed and we should be zeicha to have a carbon Pesach in the coming year. So now let's learn what is it that we should do? What is it that's incumbent upon us to do? What are our mitzvahs? What's our bidamaye chayi? What is our mitzvahs that we need to do in order to encourage HaKadosh Baruch Hu to bring the geula? So the sefer on, uh, on the Chumash called Taisus HaShalom, it's written by the Balai Taisus, the people that wrote Taisus on the Gemara. So they have a sefer on Chumash too. And they say an interesting uh, remez. They say that it says, V'haya hadam l'chem l'ais, right? The blood will be a sign for you on your doorpost. They have to put the blood of the carbon Pesach on the doorpost. So they say, V'haya hadam l'chem l'ais. Hadam l'chem l'ais is the Rosh Hashanah. Hadam is hey. L'chem is lamed. L'ais is lamed. Hey, lamed, lamed. Hal. They say in the time of Mitzrayim, they had the ice, was the blood of carbon Pesach, it was the blood of Mila. They had two ices, they had two signs, that's what they did. But what do we have today? Today we have Hal. On our Pesach night, we say two Hals. We say Hal Mitzri, which is the regular Hal that you say all year, and we add Hal Hagadl. What's Hal Hagadl? That's what we continue the night of the Seder. After we finish Hal, we say, Haidla Shem Chazdai. Uh, we, we, we the whole long uh, okay, all those twenty-four and we conclude with We say those two howls, and those two howls, that is the ice for now for us on our doorway to be worthy of a gula. That's our Our That's these two howls. Now, what's the difference between these two halls? What's the difference between the hal you say all year and this hal hagadol, this extra haidel Hashem? There's many differences. The regular hal that we say is for this, they celebrate the miracles, the open miracles that HaKadosh Baruch Hu performed, the miracles of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, the open miracles of the Ten Makis, of the Kriyas Yamsuf, of the Man, of the Midbar, of coming into Eretz Yisrael, open miracles that everybody saw, the whole nations of the world saw HaKadosh Baruch Hu's open hand, his outstretched hand, his ability, his might. And Chazal say, you can't say that hal every day. If you say that hal every day, you're lessening it, you're cheapening it. Miracles that are open miracles, those cannot be talked about every day. You can talk about it in the time of the year that they happen, on Yom Taivim, on Rish Chaydish. That's when you can discuss these miracles because then it's appropriate to recognize this is the time they happen, we'll appreciate them. But if you talk about them every day, you're going to cheapen them, you're going to lose your appreciation for what they mean. The tremendous, the tremendous, 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 importance of those miracles. 
But how Hagadol, Hoydel Hashem Kitaif, that you are allowed to say every day, and the truth is, Chazal would have had us say it every day in Pesuket de Zimra, but it's very long. So they had mercy, and they said, just say it on Shabbos, which is when we say it in Shabbos, Pesuket de Zimra, we say all those Hoydel Hashem Kitaif, Kila Elm Chazdais, we say those 24 Kila Elm Chazdais, because essentially it's something that should be said every day. Why is that? Now, in those Kila Elm Chazdais, we talk about the Mitzrayim, we talk about the Makabachayim, Mitzrayim, Bevchareim, we talk about the Nisim, but that's not the point of that halal. The halal hagadol, the point is, the second to the last pasik. The whole thing leads up to the second last pasik, which is, Naisein lechem l'chal basar, kila You provide sustenance to every living being. Kila because your kindness is eternal. And that's why you can say it every day, because that's something we, we experience every day. Hashem gives us sustenance every day. He provides for us. He gives us food. He gives us clothing. He gives our, pays our rent. He pays our mortgage. He gets, he has, our car, everything we need, he provides for us. And that's why it can be said every day. Now, on Seder night, we say both halls. And each hal has its own challenge, which is inherent in it. When you say the hal of Hal uh, Mitri, the regular hal, talk about all the miracles, you know what we're really saying? We're saying like this. Akash Baruch Hu did an open miracle, Mitzrayim did a number of open, open miracles, but it's been a very long time since Hashem did open miracles. A very, very long time. Last open miracle was Hanukkah, thousands of years ago. Do we believe that Hashem will still perform open miracles for us? Because when Mashiach comes, Pasuk says there's going to be such miracles that the miracles of Yitzhak Mitzrayim will pale in comparison. So do we believe that? Do we believe that Hashem will perform open miracles that all the nations of the world will see and it'll change the whole world's attitude towards creation, towards atheism, towards the Jews, towards everything that it says in the Torah? Do we believe that that can happen? And we say, Halal HaMitzri, to say, yes, we believe that that can and that will happen. The way it happened, miracles, open miracles then, open miracles are going to happen and they're going to happen again. That's the challenge of Halal HaMitzri and that's what we do the night of the Seder. But then... The only time that we ever do this, we continue into Halal Hagadol, into the great Halal, the Haidul Hashem Kitab Kilalam Chazdeh. So the Alshech explains, it's called Halal Hagadol, it's called the great Halal because it's a, it's a step above the regular Halal. He says, the, the Gemara says, Rabbi Lazar, Am Rabbi Lazar, Kashim is a Noisav Shaladam Yosem in Agula. The, the providing sustenance for a person is greater than Gula. It means it's harder, so to speak, for Hashem to provide sustenance than he was to do the Gula. Now, the Pshat, can be really very simple because when Hashem does an open miracle, everybody knows who did it. Everybody attributes it to Hashem. Everybody acknowledges Hashem that He did it. Everybody is appreciative of Hashem that He made this open miracle and He saved us. And it's all clear and it's all open and it's all so 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 inspiring. But when Hashem provides sustenance, not everybody recognizes that it's coming from Hashem. There's a big Yetzirah of Kaychi Yadi that maybe I did it. It's clothed, it's hidden, it's in Tava. Hashem provides sustenance for everybody, but nobody really recognizes enough that Hashem is the one that provides it. And that's why, in Hashem terms, it's so much more difficult for Hashem to do that than it is to do the, 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 the open miracles. And it's only Pesach night, the only time of year, that we, can, we go from Hal HaMitzri, which is the open miracles where everybody appreciates what Hashem did, and we try to achieve, and this is the pinnacle of the Seder, because this is the last thing you do in the Seder, is you say this Hal HaGadol, and it's the fourth case, and it's all over. So we're coming, the whole Seder is coming to that point that we can go from the open miracles to that we recognize that every single day that we get sustenance, every ounce of bread that we eat, everything that we have, every money, is the chaser of a Kaddish Baruch Hu, is straight from a Kaddish Baruch Hu's hands, is no less a miracle than the open miracles that he did to take us out of Mitzrayim. Now it's only Pesach night we can do this. Why? Because we just ate matzah. There's a sefer called um, 
Ben Melach, Leib Minsberg, the Rosh Hashanah passed away. Beautiful sefer, and he says, you know, Ma'atzah is lachem oini. It reminds us of the shibud of Mitzrayim, the slavery. It reminds us of going free. But he says, don't forget, it's also bread. And it reminds us the fact that Hashem gave us matzah as bread. He provided for us. Because till then, we were not free. All our bread was provided by Parai. We were slaves. We didn't provide for ourselves. We had no independent living. We were given all the food from the hands that we ate from someone else's hands. The first free bread Jews ate was the matzah on the night of Pesach. And that matzah was straight from the hands of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It was when Hashem provided from, for us from Him. And that matzah was the matzah, the only thing we took with us when we went out to the Midbar. We went with nothing else except that matzah. That was what the Jews ate for the next 30 days. They ate that matzah. The month didn't start until 30 days later. Which means they went out with the total recognition and belief. We followed Hashem into a barren wasteland with nothing to eat except that matzah because we had achieved that clarity. The Nisim of Mitzrayim at that time, at that moment, gave us that clarity of everything we eat. We don't need anything else. We can rely on a Kaddish Baruch Hu. So on the night of Pesach, after we eat the matzah, and it gives us that amuna, that that belief, that trust, that our our provision, our bread is from Hashem. That's when we can continue from the Hal Hamitzri into the Hal Hagadol, the great Hal of Neisim Now it's not always so easy to come to this recognition that everything we have is from Hashem. And it's our lifelong's work. That's our work. That's our avoda. That's that's what we need to achieve in our life before we pass away, is that level of recognition that everything is from Hashem. That's what we need to accomplish. And at times, the only way we really get to that is when things are difficult. You know, a little time that the uh, Parnassah doesn't come so easily. And there's problems with work, and you lose, you lose your job, and it's, you're having a hard time finding a job, and it's when those things happen, and all of a sudden things work themselves out, you're brought to a recognition that, oh, Hashem helped me. So we need the bitterness, we need the difficulty sometimes to come to that recognition, to that clarity. And that's uh, perhaps a third meaning in Kairich, that we put the Mara and the Matzah together, that we, we want to achieve Matzah. We want to have that recognition that all our sustenance is from Hashem, and we recognize and we accept the Mara in our life, and we say, you know what, it's worth it. And this is the ultimate acceptance of the Golos as well. We're accepting the difficulty and the Yusurim and the, 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 all the terrible suffering that is inherent in Golos because we recognize, you know what, it's worth it if it can help me achieve the recognition of Matzah, of Naisen Lachal Mochal Basar. And that's how we will be worthy of Geula. That's the Hal Mitzri. The Hal Agadol is the sign we're presenting to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. We're worthy of being redeemed because we are trying to do this mitzvah. And it's very reminiscent of what the dove, the Yaina, said to uh, Nayach. It came flying back with a uh, piece of an olive branch in its mouth. And Rashi says that the dove was saying, It's worth it for me, for my, my sustenance to be bitter, like an olive branch, but be from the hands of Hashem rather than Masik Midrash, or be Yadbas, or rather be as sweet as honey, but from the hands of a human being. I'm a first from say that it, on a deeper level, this is what it means. It means that it's worth it to sustain bitterness and difficulty, but it'll help you recognize that your Mizaynus is from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, rather than have it as sweet as honey, but then you think that you yourself are doing it, and you think it's Biyad Basar Vadam. And that's why we combine the Mata and the Mar, recognizing, accepting the difficulty, in order that it helps us achieve this accomplishment of knowing, that the Mata, that our sustenance comes from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and that's our ice. That's what we're putting on our doorpost for HaKadosh Baruch Hu to see that we're doing mitzvahs, and we're worthy of being redeemed. So to summarize, 
we have three concepts that I feel very much help us understand what we're trying to accomplish by the Seder. Number one, we're trying to understand that we're worthy of being redeemed. Because specifically when things are moral, and we're in such depth of darkness, and things are so difficult for us, and we don't really understand why we are worthy, what's good about us, as we've done so many errors, we have so many faults. Specifically then, our matzah has such power, such light, it creates such light and it can knock away so much darkness, like that fellow who lit his one little, one little lamp and it knocked away the darkness and it brought him to full Shemir Shabbos. That's the Klosenberger of his pshat. That's why we put the matzah and the mara together to show HaKadosh Baruch Hu that with the mara we still do matzah. Look at our mitzvahs, even though we're in such darkness, and that's why it was enough for two mitzvahs of Pesach HaMila to bring Klal Yisrael out of Mitzrayim, even though they had no other mitzvahs. And the second pshat is like this, these farm say that Klal Yisrael they brought upon themselves extra mariras, they brought upon themselves extra work, extra difficulty after Pari said, you have to work on Shabbos, they said, no, we're going to work extra in the week so that we don't have to work on Shabbos. And that is why we put the matzah and the mara together to demonstrate us that we have all this difficulty we have in doing mitzvahs, but we do it nonetheless. And those are the mitzvahs we hold up to Hashem to say, that's why we're worthy of being redeemed. We do these mitzvahs even though it's so hard. And lastly, we're trying to achieve our B'domai Chayi, which is the Hal HaMitzri and the Hal HaGadol. Hal HaMitzri, the regular Hal, to, to reinforce our belief that there will be miracles, there will be open miracles that Hashem will perform. And then we go from there to Hal HaGadol, to one time a year that we can recognize after eating matzah that our sustenance is from HaKadosh Baruch Hu and everything. Noisin Lacham Lachal Basar, Kila Elam Chazdai, the ultimate recognition of the greatness of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, His miracle in day-to-day living. Everything that we have is from HaKadosh Baruch Hu because we say we're willing to accept the marirus we're ready to accept the difficulty and the suffering of the Gauls because it helps us come to the recognition of the matzah that HaKadosh Baruch Hu provides us with sustenance may these three concepts and these these mitzvahs that we perform be the schos that we need to be zeicha to have our carbon Pesach this year and next year and we should be zeicha to a gulah shleim of meher v'yameinah